Chapter 14 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B., M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 14 Chronic Interstitial Nephritis and Arteriosclerosis Cardiovascular Renal Disease while in textbooks on medicine chronic interstitial nephritis and arteriosclerosis are dealt with in separate chapters for the sake of simplification it has seemed best to consider them together and in that connection to dwell also upon the relationship borne and the part played by the heart this triple combination being recognized and spoken of as cardiovascular renal disease this disease is of very frequent occurrence and is in fact one of the most common conditions seen in elderly persons it gives rise to a great number of symptoms but usually one of the elements the heart the blood vessels or the kidneys is more prominent than either of the other two and the majority of symptoms complained of or observed can be laid at the door of one of the three units going to make up the pathological condition. Chronic interstitial nephritis and arteriosclerosis are so closely interwoven and their causative factors so similar that one is hardly ever seen without the other, and the almost invariable rise in blood pressure at once throws an added strain on the heart, to which that organ, though it may bear up for a time, must in the end assuredly succumb. The causes leading up to chronic interstitial nephritis and arteriosclerosis are 1. Age Over 55 years, every individual undergoes changes presently to be described, which to a greater or lesser degree affect the kidneys and the arteries. 2. Alcohol especially when used regularly over a long period of years, even if never to excess. 3. Overeating, especially when this is combined, as it so often is, with a sedentary life, an overplus of alcohol and tobacco, too great a dependence upon the luxuries of life and insufficient exercise. 4. Faulty metabolism, such as gout and diabetes. 5. Syphilis Pathology The essential feature in bringing about a condition of chronic interstitial nephritis and arteriosclerosis is the establishment of a process of fibrosis in the human body. By fibrosis is meant the gradual transformation of normal tissue into dense, firm, inelastic, fibrous tissue. This process attacks mainly the kidneys and the arteries. It is one of the signs of advancing years, one of the signals that the human machine has seen its best days, has done its best work, and is wearing out. Many cases of general fibrosis occur simply as a result of age, none of the other causative factors playing any role whatsoever. The kidneys are small, dark, mottled, and the capsule instead of peeling off easily, is everywhere densely adherent, and when stripped brings away with it small pieces of kidney tissue. Microscopic 
evidences of fibrous tissue formation, while visible in the uriniferous tubules, are most marked in the glomeruli and in the interstitial tissue. The glomeruli are largely destroyed, being in many instances reduced to mere fibrous tufts with no traces of capillaries, epithelium, or capsule of bowman left. The interstitial tissue appears greatly increased in amount. The uriniferous tubules are relatively few, and the cells lining them are flattened out and show evidences of degeneration. The arteries suffer most in their middle coat, the media. It is here that normally the elastic fibers are situated that allow the artery to expand with each beat of the pulse. And that, more important still, by their recoil, help the heart to such a great extent to force the blood current along. These elastic fibers are transformed to a greater or less extent, according to the severity of the process, according to the severity of the process, into fibrous tissue, so that the vessel wall becomes comparatively rigid. In addition, deposits of lime salts occur in the arterial walls, sometimes to such an extent that the radial artery, when rolled under the finger, feels like a pipe stem. It will readily be seen that with unyielding inelastic arteries, blood pressure must rise, and with a heightened blood pressure the heart has to pump against an abnormally great resistance. This results in increased work on the part of the heart, showing itself by hypertrophy of that organ, especially of the left ventricle. In time, however, the heart shows signs of failing, and symptoms of cardiac dilatation make their appearance. Symptoms 1. Urinary The amount of urine is greatly increased, and one of the first symptoms noted by the patient, and rarely complained of, is the necessity of arising two or three times during the night to empty the bladder. The total urine voided in 24 hours is usually from two and a half to three and a half quarts, one and one-third quarts being approximately normal. The specific gravity is very low, usually under 1.010. There may or may not be albumin present, and if found, it is usually very slight in amount. On microscopical examination, a few hyaline casts may be seen. It is impossible in these cases to tell from an ordinary urinary examination the extent of damage to the kidney, and recourse must be had to the tests for kidney function. QV. 2. Toxic. Signs of uremia may, and usually do, show themselves. It is not uncommon for patients with cardiovascular renal disease to suddenly suffer from an attack of acute uremia with convulsions suppression of urine etc more frequently however are seen the signs of chronic uremia which are an indication that the kidneys are eliminating insufficiently and that poisons in the shape of waste products are being gradually accumulated within the system these symptoms are headache especially in the morning, a coated tongue, 
some constipation, slight drowsiness, dizziness, mental depression, and a slight mental dullness. 3. Cardiac The patient frequently suffers from palpitation, and dyspnea is very common, especially on slight exertion. Some cough is frequent, and a chronic bronchitis accompanied by much wheezing often is present as a result of heart weakness. Sudden edema of the lungs may occur. Hemorrhages, especially nosebleed and blood in the urine, are frequent as a result of the giving way of small vessels because of the heightened blood pressure. Apoplexy is a frequent occurrence due to the rupture of a blood vessel in the brain because of the combination of inelastic walls and heightened blood pressure. Gastric and digestive disturbances are very common. Loss of appetite, nausea, vomiting, and constipation being most prominent. Edema is absent, save if an attack of acute nephritis occurs, which is not infrequently the case. The blood pressure is almost invariably raised, in some cases, to alarming heights. It will be seen that the symptoms of this disease of triple origin are so numerous that an accurate picture of the condition is very difficult to obtain because of the number of elements involved. Probably no case will exhibit all the symptoms, and, as previously mentioned, those symptoms referable to one of the three elements at fault will usually dominate the scene. Prognosis. The outlook is bad, as far as recovery is concerned. Permanent tissue changes have taken place, which cannot be cured, and while by careful attention to hygiene, diet, and special symptoms, the patient's life can be considerably prolonged, and made, in many instances, very comfortable, yet in the end, the fight is bound to be a losing one. Treatment the objects of treatment are threefold. 1. To spare the kidneys as much as possible. 2. To spare the heart as much as possible by reducing blood pressure. 3. To relieve symptoms as they arise. 1. In attempting to spare the kidneys, the diet is essentially the same as that in chronic parenchymatous nephritis, save that reduction of salt is not usually necessary for edema is rare, and when it appears, is usually of cardiac origin. Proteid must be given sparingly, not more than 80 to 100 grams in 24 hours. Elimination through the bowels and skin is important, the latter being often well secured by a course of sweats every few weeks. 2. In the reduction of blood pressure, sweats work well, as abnormal tension is due in part, at least, to the kidneys. In addition, drugs are given whose action is to lower blood pressure. These drugs are known as vasodilators because they cause the blood vessels to dilate or expand and therefore allow the contained blood to be under less pressure. The main drugs used are A. Amyl nitrate B. Nitroglycerin C. Sodium nitrate of these, amyl nitrate acts most rapidly, but its effect is violent, often very uncomfortable to the patient, 
and very transient in duration. Nitroglycerin acts rapidly, but must be frequently repeated, as its action is also transient, and, when given in large doses, is apt to cause severe headache. Sodium nitrate acts more slowly than the two preceding, but its action is far more sustained, and it does not give rise to the disagreeable symptoms caused by the other two drugs. In addition, potassium iodide is very frequently given, though it has no power to reduce blood pressure. The dosage and frequency of administration of these drugs will, of course, be determined by the attending physician. 3. The relief of individual symptoms has nothing to do with the actual treatment of the condition under consideration. These symptoms are so many and varied that a host of methods are in use, each physician having his preference. Sedatives of one kind or another will usually have to be employed, and in the vast majority of cases morphia will finally be resorted to, especially for the nocturnal dyspnea which is often so distressing. During the earlier stages of the disease, the patient should not be kept in bed, but encouraged to take mild exercise, always carefully abstaining from over-fatigue. The care of the skin and bowels is all important. Early and moderate advanced cases can usually do work, if that work is not manual and violent. Such cases will not need a nurse. The nurse sees these unfortunates when their days of activity are behind them, and when the exhausted and rapidly failing vital organs can no longer cope with the work demanded of them. End of chapter 14